Aloha and welcome. Tonight we're going to be discussing the metaphysics of relationships. In order to understand the, the metaphysics of relationships, the first thing we have to understand is what is metaphysics? Metaphysics means anything outside the physical or ultra physical. And what that means is it's all the stuff that makes up our relationships that is unseen. Things like energetic compatibility, compatibility um, past lives, all kinds of really interesting things. So let's get into it. By the way, this is my second video of metaphysics of relationships. I did one a little bit earlier, and that one can be seen on my YouTube channel also. So this is kind of like a part two, but I think this one's going to be a little more organized because I prepared for this one, whereas the other one was just like top of mind. Okay, let's go. And please, everyone, make sure that you are muted throughout the discussion until we, we start talking to one another, which is not filmed. As everyone on Meetup knows who've been to my events, I record the first part, which is the informational part, and then the second half is the discussion. If you're not a part of my meetup group, you're not part of the discussion because we don't record those for people's privacy. The metaphysics of relationship, what you can't see in relationship, all the invisible pieces. So the first thing which is kind of common that people are more or less aware of is called energetic cords. Now, people who are not, um, metaphysically inclined, I'll say, may call it like, oh, we're so connected. I feel this connection with this person. I can finish their sentences. I know what they're thinking. I can feel when something's wrong. Or you could be around a person and it's very draining for you. Or you could tell when they're angry, even though they're acting like they're fine. You know, when something's wrong, you can feel it and sense it. Yes, part of this is being uh, empathetic or an empath. But a great deal of it, when it's more integral to you, is about your energetic connections to the person. So what is an energy cord? An energy cord is an invisible cord. It's invisible for most people. That goes between two people or a person, place, or thing. It can also go back to an event. The cord is what connects you to that person, place, thing, or event. And when it's healthy, what happens is the energy goes very smoothly back and forth. And it's a fairly even energy. Anyone who's ever had a relationship ever knows that there are some times where you're taking more. There are some times where the other person's taking more. You know, someone may be sick. Someone might need help doing something. But that energy goes back and forth so that it's not always one person supporting the other and the other person does nothing. It generally evens out if it's a healthy relationship. In an unhealthy relationship, there is one person who either controls and dominates the other person or they're constantly pulling from them. They may manipulate by acting weak or by using gaslighting and other abusive techniques. But what's happening? metaphysically during this time is they are really digging in as a practitioner oftentimes we talk about putting their hooks in you and that's a common term also she's really got her hooks into him 
And it's a specific way of courting with someone that makes it more difficult to break away. And it's more of a, a painful, possessive type of courting, not one that is healthy. So these are things that we need to look out for. Ask yourself questions. Are there people in your life or places where you go where you suddenly will feel drained? Do you feel anxious around a certain person all the time? Are you walking on eggshells? All these are indicators of being in an out of balance connection. So how do you bring things back into balance? Well, with this type of courting, you bring things back into balance by pulling cords, which is a technique um, of removing that energetic attachment and nullifying it. We're not gonna be doing that today, but I do have um, different things up online where you can look at that. And I call it pulling cords and not cutting cords because the way I look at it is it's not about just stopping the attachment. It's about completely clearing your energy of the other person's energy. So just like if you have a splinter in your finger, you wanna get the whole splinter out. You don't wanna leave any part of it in there because then it will fester and make something worse. So you don't, you don't want that. We have energetic connections to everything and everyone around us. If you make eye contact and you say hello to somebody, you smile, there's an energetic connection there. The key is most of these connections are very faint and don't really last a very long time. Most connections don't take your conscious efforts in order to release you from them or in order for them to fade. They're very light. Another thing with these types of connections is they could be anywhere in your body. It could be part of your chakra system or as people who aren't um, knowledgeable about the chakra system might say, oh, I, I feel it in my heart or I feel it in my gut or it gives me such a headache every time I'm around him. That's where your cords are connected is wherever you feel it in your body. Larger cords, especially those that are causing you grief, need to be detached. Now, there are some people in your life that maybe you want to reset the cord for, but you don't want them out of your life or it's somebody who you can't get out of your life. Like maybe it's your mom and your teenager. And what you could do in these instances is simply pull the cords, heal that area energetically, and then allow the reconnect. But the reconnect brings you closer to balance. So you're resetting the energy. So if you're pulling cords, say on your husband or your spouse, you're not trying to get rid of them necessarily. What you're doing is you're resetting the energy. Because one of the things that's really interesting about cords is that their place in time. When a cord connection occurs, it tends to stay at that level or that place in time. So like, if you're a married couple and you're married for 60 years, well, your cords are back here when you're in your 20s and you got together. And you tend to treat the person and still see the person that way. So in order to mature your energetic with the person's actual maturity and your actual maturity, one of the things that you can do to help your relationship is to pull cords and reset. And to do it on a regular basis 
so that you don't get to the point of resentment, which is what happens when we're looking at someone, but we're not really looking at who they are. There's another type of cord called the Aka cord, and that is from the Hawaiian. And I am probably not specific about what this means, but I've chosen to use this term because it means sticky. And Aka cords are more like woven cords, whereas other energy cords tend to be just like a cord. And it could be like really small, it could be big, it could be like really big, they could get entangled. And there's so many different levels to that. There are so many different levels to that, that I actually am going to have a class on this probably in the next two weeks. And then it will be recorded and something that people can watch after the fact. Chords are very important and knowing where your energy is going and who is tapped into your energy is also important. Knowing how to uh, clear that so that people are not pulling on you all the time. Any parent knows you can feel that pulling on you when you have children, that your energy is constantly being taken because a child needs the energy and they, they pull from you. But the thing is, it doesn't have to be where it's just a one-way street and where you're feeling depleted. You can reset the energetic every so often so that you grow with the child's growth and so that you're not holding them back and they're not pulling you down. The same thing can happen in any type of a relationship. So the aqua cords are more rooted and they take a little more effort to um, disengage. That's a good word to disengage from. And it's important that we do this so that we can see each other as we are in the present and so that we can connect in a more, um, a more balanced manner. Now, chords are very important. Something else that happens is we have uh, chords, not just to people, but to places and things. And this is a sense of nostalgia, sometimes a sense of deja vu, and sometimes it, it leads to PTSD because we get triggered when there's a cord. All of these things are a little bit more complicated. And although pulling cords is going to help you energetically move past that and heal that wound, it's not the do all be all and end all. I always recommend that you find a good therapist who has no skin in the game, who is there to listen for you to bounce ideas off of and who can help guide you through um, trauma and other things that you need help with. Then we have your vibration. What's in a vibe? What do we mean when we talk about vibration? Your vibration is kind of like the energy that's around you. So some people try to set a vibration of I'm the nice one and they take on the patterns of a certain uh, type of person and they'll put on that mask and try to present as this. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. Oh, it was about a guy who's a real misogynist. And then uh, he met Tony Robbins and Tony Robbins told him um, to see things as they are. 
or in their truth. And then he started to see like the inner beauty compared to the outer beauty. So when you are more attuned to the energetic, the superficial will start to fade away and will blend into what's really in there, what's really there. Um, You'll be able to feel what a person really feels like. And opposites attract, yes. And so does like attract like. How did those two things work? Well, opposites attract is talking about like one person is really nice. The other person is really mean, like a narcissist and and an empath. And they tend to come together because they fit into each other's wounds. But the other part of that is that they both have like these insecurities that the other one fulfills. When we talk about like attracts like, and you talk about two people who have um, like similar ideas and things like that, we're talking about vibration. So are you the type of person who is very loving? Are you the type of person who is uh, more cerebral? Are you the type of person who's always guarded? If you're always guarded, you're going to get people who are guarded. The trick is, a lot about our vibration is behind the scenes. So a lot of it is about the subconscious and what's really motivating us that we may not be aware of. So as we become more aware of our own internal workings and we become more aware of our own vibration, then we will be able to understand more why we attract certain things into our lives. You tend to attract things that you believe in your deepest core that you deserve. So if that's a bunch of bad luck because you were told from when you were little that you were bad luck and nobody knows how you survive, then that's what's going to happen. If you've been told your whole life that you were this wonderful person and all good things would come to you and you have a life that seems like that, that's what's going to happen. I remember the story about a boy who was, uh, he got his SATs or whatever. He was a mediocre student. But when he was tested, his testing was off the charts. It was like amazing. And they brought him into the the office and they brought his parents into the office. And he was told, he was like, whoa, like you really have an amazing intellect. The child then lived up to that expectation. That's one of my mom's favorite sayings is a child will live up to or down to your expectations. And found out later that he actually did not do well in the test. It was a mistake. They gave him somebody else's score. But feeling like and being told and having that kind of support and that kind of a push that he was extraordinary helped him become extraordinary, helped him really find it in himself. So it's doing things like this, like raising our vibration in such a way that we attract what we think we want and what is good for us, as opposed to the things that we feel we deserve. So that's where the vibration comes in. Now, let's talk about past lives. And past lives always end up talking about karma, but we'll get there. So when we talk about past lives, if you believe in past lives, you can look at it as cellular memory or generational um, issues you can look at it however you want to look at it. I'm going to call it past lives right now. You could catch it in whatever terms you want to. There's something that happens when we are created in the womb 
and when we're born that we carry with us throughout our lifetime. Some people believe this is past lives. Some people actually have past life memories. Most people don't. But we carry different ways of being, different thought processes, different vibrations, different wounds from the past. And sometimes you can't look at a person's life in this lifetime and say, oh, that's where that came from. You might be able to look at their lineage and say, oh, you know, six relatives back, this happened and it's affected everyone since then. Or maybe in a past life, this is what happened. When we carry past life issues forward into this life, some people call that karma. I consider karma is more of a, a learning tool. It's not a punishment. Um, it's, it doesn't feel or think it's not a consciousness like that. Karma is more, uh, okay, like you're going to school. Here's your lessons. Did you get them all? And this is how we're going to teach them. So some people need to go through the same lesson again and again and again, because they don't get it the first time or they're, they're not processing it completely. Many things that we're learning are in layers, like an onion, where the first layer is nominal. And yes, we do learn from it. We do heal. We go on. And then we, we hit something similar, but it's not exactly the same. It's on a different tangent. And then we go through that, we learn from that, then we go on and so on and so forth. But past lives will bring people up that all of a sudden, like when you meet somebody like, you are so familiar. I feel like I know you from somewhere. Where do I know you from? But you've never actually met in this lifetime. But then as you talk, you either have really similar experiences or like something comes to mind, you both have a fascination with ancient Greece or medieval times or different things like that. And you may have had a lifetime together. We're told in the metaphysical community that you're born with the same soul group multiple times so that you learn from each other. I believe that we take turns being different parts. We are the victim and the martyr and the hero and the villain and you know, all these different archetypes and we go through them all. I don't believe that anyone is never the villain, that they're always the hero. They may want to only remember those times, but I don't believe or have a sense that that's the way it actually works. By my estimation, we all go through and play round robin with this so that we all have an idea of where everybody's coming from. And then when you get to the end of the circle, then you have compassion because you can put yourself in everybody else's shoes and see from their point of view to a certain extent. So past lives will bring people together. And this is where people talk about soulmates and blah, blah, blah. Well, a soulmate by my definition, is not someone who you meet and that's, it's the end of the world. They're just the, wow. You might meet a soulmate and you're going to have an instant connection and you're going to instantly recognize each other or feel instantly like connected and comfortable with one another. But that doesn't mean that you're supposed to stay together forever. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're even good for one another. 
what it means is that your souls recognize one another and then you move forward. Oftentimes soulmates will come together either to like support through a certain period of time or they will come together actually to create something or do something specific. It might be a certain lesson they need to learn. It might be creating something. It might be having a child. Just because someone is your soulmate, you have hundreds of soulmates, depending on how many times you've been reborn, how many lifetimes you've lived, there's hundreds of soulmates. So it's not like you're the only person in the world for me. And when we get stuck in that kind of thinking, that's when karma starts kicking in and starts kicking our butts because then things get very difficult. That's not to say that you don't have a match or you don't have a mate in a lifetime that you may take with you through the whole lifetime, but it's to say that you still need to be objective and cautious and really look at things like take the blinders off, see what's really there. So karma is about learning lessons. And that's what our past lives are for. That's what our partners are for. That's what everybody in our life is for. That's why we're here. This is school. Now, talking about finding the one and having a great relationship and that kind of thing, the first thing that we have to do is take the blinders off because what we often do when we step into relationship is we have this list so there's 86 things on this list and we start dating and you have like three of these things well I'm going to staple this list to your forehead <laughs> and pretend that you have all the things on that list because you are absolutely perfect and this is going to last forever Woo! because you're so excited about it and then as time goes on and we calm down and we start revealing ourselves to one another, there's that, that pressure where we don't want to see the person for who they really are. And then there's that sense of betrayal. That's not accurate because there was no betrayal except for us of ourselves. So the key in relationship is to step back and allow the other to reveal themselves to you. One of my favorite lines is when somebody tells you who they are, believe them. Because so often we go into relationship and we want X, Y, and Z, and we meet somebody and they're like, I'm only doing Q and Y. I have no X and Z, no interest in. But we believe because we're attracted to them that there's going to be some holy thing that will make them change and be what we want them to be. And that is not so. And it's unfair to them and it's unfair to yourself. So allowing yourself to be fully open for them to express who they truly are and where you walk into the relationship being who you are and not trying to bend to whatever they want you to be is very important in having a healthy, nurturing relationship, whether that's a friendship, or romance. And even as family members, we need to be able to step back from one another and really look at where people are right now, which brings us back to the cords. Because we have cords with our family members from when we were babies, oftentimes we get stuck in this loop where we're being seen as a child always. 
we need to pull those cords and start over so that we have a better understanding of who everybody is in the here and now, as opposed to who you were as children a long time ago. Okay, so let me see if there's anything else. Taking the blinders off. Oh, the other thing that I hadn't uh, mentioned yet is something called soul contracts. I did a whole video on this, but soul contracts are very important because basically what that is, is those are agreements that we made before we came into human form and there are things that we wanted to accomplish. So some people might call this your fate or your destiny. Um, some people might think this is in your DNA. It's basically your life's purpose or what you feel your life's purpose is. What I find with people is that um, there are certain people who try to wrap their life's purpose around other people, which generally doesn't work very well. And then there's also where you're so hung up on figuring out what your life's purpose is that you miss the fact that every day is living your life's purpose. So today my life's purpose might be um, saving a cat who just got hit by a car. And tomorrow it might be um, helping a kid get home from school. And the next day it might be self-care. I might be taking care of me. Your life's purpose does not need to be this huge overarching thing. It could be something that happens and that is fluid and malleable and happens throughout your life. So maybe your life's purpose is just to be a good person and to make the world a better place by doing so. So these are, this was a little overview of the different things that affect you as you enter into a relationship, whether that be romantic, business, familial, or whatever. There are things to consider. There's a lot going on in the energy around you and inside of you as you interact. Being aware of that gives you a greater chance of finding what it is that deep in your heart you really want, the things that you long for. If you would like help with that, or you would like to join some of our classes, you can find me at gerilynstjoseph.com or relationship coach, G as in girl, S as in saint, J as in joseph.com, relationship coach, gsj.com. And on my website, you will find things for free and things for fee. Let me know if there's some other way I can help you and let me know other topics you would like us to hit on. Thank you so much. Come over to Meetup and join us. Mahalo.